The Real Men Connect podcast is blessed to have the Basic Solutions Group as one of our ministry partners. The Basic Solutions Group is one of the leading app creators for ministries worldwide. So whether you want to increase your ministry's reach, maximize your impact, or multiply your message, then check out the Basic Solutions Group at basicsolutionsgroup.com. And to see what they can do for you, just go to your app store and download the Real Men Connect app for free on any iPhone, Android, mobile device, or tablet. Just go to your app store and type in the word Real Men Connect. That's one word, no spaces. Welcome to Real Men Connect. Are you ready to be the extraordinary man, husband, father, and leader God called and created you to be? Then get ready to receive wisdom and guidance from some of the country's most respected men of faith as you learn everything you need to know to go from good man to great man God's way. No judgment, no shame. Just real men with real challenges seeking real change. All for God's glory. Hello, mighty men of God, and welcome to the Real Men Connect podcast, where we help good men become great men God's way. I'm your host, Dr. Joe Martin, and every week we interview some of the nation's most respected and accomplished men of faith to find out what it really takes to become the kind of husband, father, and spiritual leader God called and created us to be. Each interview session is packed with practical, proven biblical principles you can immediately apply in your relationships, on your job, and in your community. Today we have with us Derek Maul, who is an author and regular columnist for a number of news outlets, including Christian Voice, The Osprey Observer, and Focus Magazine. His commentary and features have appeared in Newsweek, USA Today, The Christian Science Monitor, The Tampa Tribune, Presbyterians Today, The United Methodist News Service, Guide Post, Chicken Soup for the Soul, All Pro Dad, and many other print and online publications. Now, some of Derek's books include Get Real, A Spiritual Journey for Men, in My Heart, I Carry a Star, The Unmaking of a Part-Time Christian, and 10 Life Charge Words, Real Faith for Men. And he expects to release his first novel this summer. Derek is married to Rebecca, who's a pastor in Wake Forest, North Carolina. They have two adult children, Andrew and Naomi, and two grandchildren, David and Rebecca. As a full-time writer, Derek taught public school in Florida for 18 years, including cutting-edge work with autistic children. He holds a bachelor's degree in psychology and education from Stetson University and my alma mater, the University of West Florida. Now, as I mentioned, Derek writes uh, as a columnist for several publications, and I met him through one of the publications I write for as well, All Pro Dad. After reading several of his articles, I knew I wanted to invite him to be on the Real Men Connect podcast. And there was one particular article that got my attention. That was how to have patience with your children. Now, although we're going to talk about parenting today, Derek has a passion for men's discipleship. He's a man after my own heart. So maybe he'll be willing to come back on the show in the future to explore some of those topics with us. But today, we're going to talk about the dreaded P word when it comes to our children, and that's patience. So with that being said, I want to welcome my guest and new friend to the show, Derek Maul. Welcome to the podcast, Derek. Hey, Joe. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. I'm going to enjoy the conversation. And Derek, I'm going to enjoy it because I tell you, when I was doing my research and putting together um, some of my questions, one, I knew I'm not going to get to all of them. That's just going to be impossible. And I found that out just by talking to you before we came on the air that we, you, me and you could talk forever. <laughs> so, so I know I'm not going to get to all the questions, but I know and I trust God's anointing and his Holy Spirit that we're going to get to the ones that the men need to hear the most answers from you on. And so let's just jump right into it, Derek, because you and I can talk for days. And it's funny because we've never met each other personally, but there's a chemistry that we've already developed. And I know that um, hopefully if the show isn't too bad, you'll want to come back on again. <laughs> so absolutely. I'll even come to Chattanooga and meet you. <laughs> That's right. You know, especially now us being a uh, fellow alum. And so we definitely need to connect even off the air. But I want to start like we always do by asking our guests their favorite Bible verse. So I want to know what gives you inspiration from the word of God and why? What's your favorite Bible verse? Well, my answer is going to be a little bit different because uh, I interviewed about 300 pastors when I wrote for the Tampa Tribune. And a lot of them would say, you know, I've got my life verse and uh, God gave it to me in 1972. And I'm like, well, if that's still your favorite scripture, you're not getting into the word. enough. <laughs> so my answer, Joe is contingent on what's going on right now. And so I've got a couple of things that have been in, in my mind recently. Uh, my Sunday school class, uh, which is a discipleship class, has been studying Matthew. And Matthew twenty three thirteen. this is going to sound kind of harsh, but there's a reason for it. Jesus said this. He said, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. 
You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. And I can't help but think about our mission, Joe, which is to share the good news with people. You know, Jesus said, I'm the gate. And, and, and there are too many of us. We, we try to stand in the way and we shut the door in people's faces. So that, that has kind of challenged me. And on the other end, First Timothy chapter 6, 18 to 19 um, he says, be rich in good deeds, be generous and willing to share, lay up the treasure for yourselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so you may take hold of the life that is truly life. And I've been convicted not to shut the door in people's faces, but also to, to share the life, which is real life. This is something amazing that we have. Now, Derek, you, I, I like how you said that. You said that based on this season in your life. I want to know why uh, why Matthew 23, 13 for this season in your life? What's going on that has provoked that to be your, your anchor verse? <laughs> well, we live in a contentious world. Uh, we live in a world in which people are more interested in being right than in being righteous. They're more interested in criticism than kindness. And unfortunately, that's not limited to the political world. It's kind of uh, spilled over into the religious world, too. And so I'm very much conscious of the problem we have and we can have with judgment. And so I want to live a life that is invitational. And I feel that God has challenged me in all that I do just to be a living invitation to say, hey, come get some of this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, I can tell you right now, Derek, I can't wait to bring you back on the show again because we can talk about that topic in and of itself as a show oh, yeah. <laughs> of seeking to be right and not righteous because I'm already making a note to myself that. And if I don't remember, Derek, you make sure you remind me because I, I think that is a very, very powerful topic because we as men, we love to get in debates. We love to argue. We love to be right. And we we forget about righteousness. And it's funny. I just posted something on social media today in reference to that. So, Make sure if I don't remember, you make sure you remind me in an email or something that that is a topic we probably need to address um, more more seriously and deeply. But I think this can also be a bridge to, to patience as well. But you're about to say something, Derek? Oh, well, I was going to say, and if we forget, maybe one of the listeners. <laughs> yeah, maybe you. they'll remind us. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But that is good. So let's I want to, you know, because I hear that you have an accent. And I didn't even ask you this off there. Um, what's your your um, your ethnicity or your I guess your your culture, your background? Well, I grew up in the south coast of England in a, a town called Folkestone, which is as close to France as you can get. If you swim the English Channel, which I don't recommend, you'd leave from the beach at Folkestone. It's just 22 miles across, right next to Dover. And and I left England when I was 19 for two weeks uh, to come to Florida to visit. And never really went back. And so uh, I've been an American citizen since 1985. And that's a whole nother topic we could talk about is what it means to be a citizen to make that choice. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, a, I'm an American. And my mother says, no, you're not. You're half English. And I'm like, <laughs> no, I'm an American. Now, Derek, what I can't understand, because you went to where I did my undergrad at University of West Florida. And I know people think, what does it got to do with patience? Oh, we're going to get to that in a second. But I'm just curious. Yeah, yeah be patient. Yeah, be patient. Is that uh, how ironic is that? But, Derek, what I can't understand, I, you know, I'm from Miami and I went to school in, in Pensacola and did my undergrad at University of West Florida, where you where you went to school for another degree. Now, I have developed a Southern drawl because I've been in the South. How do you still have your accent having lived in Pensacola? I don't <laughs> well, I don't. I, I, I really don't have my accent. If I visited England, oh. which I do <laughs> occasionally, they tell me that I have an American accent. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And so what you hear when you hear an accent, you hear what is different. Um, imagine we were writing a book and, uh, and we wanted to have somebody speak in vernacular. Um, you'd only give a hint, maybe one word every paragraph or so that, that was in the vernacular. And then people fill in the rest. And what you're doing is you're hearing what is different and you're filling in the rest. Gotcha. And that's that's yeah, a great observation. I never thought about it that way. And Derek, I know we're going to get off on a tangent. I'm going to get us right back on, on track. Let's start. Um, you, you know, you mentioned England that you grew up there. I want to know, tell me a little bit about your story. How did you, what, how has your story impact you in such a way that now you are, you were led to minister to men? Cause you weren't from this country. You came here. And if anyone goes to your website or they read your books, they obviously see that you have a heart for men. So what led you to this? What got you involved in this? Okay. I'll give you the cliff notes version. Sure. Uh, the short version is that 
you know, my wife is a Presbyterian minister, and we, we have never been in a church experience. She's been a minister for 34 years that hasn't been positive and full of life, vital and, and growing. That's always been our experience. However, every church I've been to, I've noticed that men as a group do not seem to embrace the excitement and the passion of their faith of being disciples with the same um, maybe alacrity, the same ease that women do. And, and so men need a little help. We need help, guys. Yeah, we, right. we do. We need <laughs> yeah. In so many, so many ways. But we especially need help when it comes to the relational aspect of our faith. And so I gathered a small group of four or five guys around me. And I said, let's do Bible study. Let's talk to one another about what it means to follow Jesus, not be a church member, to be an actual disciple of Jesus. And, and that has just kind of grown from there. Um, the transformation uh, in, in the lives of men as they claim discipleship as opposed to church membership. I know we're not meant to be talking about discipleship today, but it, it grabbed me and it made me realize that without specific help and intentionality, a lot of men... Just let that one pass them by. Right. And there you just pretty much summarized why we started Real Men Connect, because we knew, you know, at least God put in my heart. And you know this from working in ministry that we do need the help. We do need the support. And a lot of times we're not willing to admit that we don't know what we're doing or we're inadequate at what we're doing. And we just need a little bit of a push to get started. Yeah. Because it's like I'm, asking directions. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's like asking for directions when you're lost. And so we're, that's what we hope we're providing with what, what you're doing in your ministry, what I'm doing here is that it's an I call it an entree to go a little bit deeper because I hope that they don't stop with just Real Men Connect or when they would just read one of your books. But to know that um, there's a lot more to be gained if they continue to start building and fostering relationships with other men. But like you said, we're gonna, we can get off on a tangent talking about discipleship because that's my heart and my passion, too. But let's get to now that they've been patiently waiting for us to talk about this. Let's get to patience. And I can't wait because, man, I have an adult son. I have a teenage daughter and your children are adults now. And they seem to be very successful, at least um, well adjusted. And so and, and I don't think there's a man out there who's listening who um doesn't want their children to be happy, fulfilled, and independent adults. But we know that accomplishing that isn't as easy as we may think as fathers. And you, Rebecca, like I said, you have two successful adult children. But based on your article that I saw on All Pro Dad, you insinuated that you're, that raising your children was kind of difficult for you guys and oh, that you thought did you I failed at it. Did I say that? <laughs> yes, you did. Yes, you did. Now, you didn't go into detail about it, but that's why I want to bring you on the show to talk to us about it. Why do you think that you and Rebecca were failing um, as parents with your children and now that they're well-adjusted now? What happened? Tell us about it. Oh, gosh. Um, yeah, there's a lot of ways to look at this. And uh, I remember once when I was um, oh, about in my late 30s and I said to God, Come on, God, I am a good person. Rebecca is a wonderful human being. Shouldn't you have given us the easy children? Didn't, didn't, <laughs> right. yeah, didn't we deserve that? And, and I really felt that God, and this is not a poor reflection on my ch children, because every child is an individual. They all grow up in their own way. But I felt God saying, I knew I could trust them with you. You are the person who I prepared to have this child. And I'm like, yeah, I got training as an exceptional education teacher. <laughs> who, who else was better qualified to, to deal with this mess? And, and so God really kind of said, listen, I don't give you gifts without expecting you to use them. Um, I don't bring you into this world to have an easy ride. I bring you into this world to have a life that is meaningful. And it's going to be meaningful if you help your children grow and to be the sort of adults that I have called them to be. Now, as far as now, because when did they really, when did you notice that things were not going as well as you had planned, <laughs> you and Rebecca had planned for the children? And you said, wow, this is going to be a lot tougher than I expected. What age was that about when, when it happened? Well, for our son, it was, um, and Andrew, if you listen to this, I love you, I love you, I love you. <laughs> but for him, it was like, fourth, third, fourth, fifth grade. Right. Um, so that, what, he had was, to be about nine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, it was just a challenge. And a lot of it was 
I was not as great a father as I could have been. I was expecting things to be easy rather than to be an opportunity uh, for us to shine. And with our daughter, um, everything was was peachy keen until we um, she became a teenager. And then uh, there were some issues that came up then. And actually, young adulthood, 17, 18, 19, was probably the most difficult time for us. And... What I do is, in my men's group, I, I'd look under the table and I'd say, let me see your knees. You're, I want to see if you've been on your knees. You're, your pants are not worn out at the knees, guys. You need, to be, you need to be praying more for us and our kids. And we had a, had a man in one of my groups. His name was Steve. Just a wonderful man. And this is the patience thing. He, his, he never said much, but he always said this. He said, I'll pray for you. And then he said, hold the course. And he just kind of put his arms straight out like he was pointing into the future. He says, hold the course. Because he knew, because he had a couple of children who were older, he knew that sometimes it's patience which is going to make more of a difference than any other intervention. That and keeping the lid on. Right, right. And see, and I want to have you unpack that a little bit for us in a second. But I, I'm going to... Because it seems obvious, Derek, that we need to have patience with our children. And I know that, you know that, but it's easier said than done. But I want to look at it from a different perspective. What are the possible negative consequences if we don't have patience and exercise patience with our children while we're raising them? Well, one of the problems that happens with that is I saw this in the classroom as a teacher. I worked with students who were emotionally um, challenged. Um, I did autism for a while, and then I did children who were who were just severe behavior problems. And, and if you're impatient, you tend to make the situation worse. You, uh, it's like throwing gasoline on, on the fire. Um, our intolerance is not what they need. What they need is our not our indulgence, but our willingness to listen and our willingness to learn from from a situation. Your patience isn't an option, Joe. It's an orientation. It's, it's something that needs to be not part of a toolkit. We take it out and say, well, I need to be patient here. Now, we need to be patient people. We need to be the sort of men who don't rush to judgment, the sort of men who don't um, come down hard. We need to be the sort of men who have that as a, as a part of who we are. I think there's, there's a problem with, and this is true for Christian men, I think, just as much, if not more. We like to put on the whole armor of God, but we're so-so when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit. Let me say that again. Yeah, say that again, man. Yeah. As Christian men, we love to put on the armor of God and, and, and uh, maybe strut around wearing it. But, <laughs> yeah. but, but we are so-so when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, I want to just remind people of, of what that is. That's in, in Galatians. And uh, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Patience, Patience. Yeah. kindness, generosity, faithfulness. Here's one, gentleness and self-control. Every man that I've ever counseled with who's having trouble in their marriage, if there was one thing that they could do, we could have a whole podcast about this, is kindness. If, if a man approaches his spouse, his children, the people he works with, with more kindness, then I think we would see a revolution of um, of marriages turning in the right direction. Wow, Derek, I'm telling you, you're already becoming one of my favorite guests. Because <laughs> you know, and, and I know this is going to sound like I'm a glutton for punishment or something like that, but men who know me personally, they know how I am. I love um, when my toes get stepped on. <laughs> it's not that I, you know, and I'm a glutton for punishment. No, because that it makes me cling to the father even more. Some people, when they feel conviction, they run away from God. I run closer to him because it just reminds me of how much I need him. And, you know, most people wouldn't depict me as a, a mean person. But I know when I'm spending quiet time with God, I don't always demonstrate the fruit of the spirit like you were saying. And I like if I if I was doing my own obituary. <laughs> <laughs> so to speak. And I was, you know, if I could be given my own obituary, I would say a lot of good things about myself. But you know what I would not be talking about? How gentle I was, how patient and kind I was. No. And I keep thinking, Joe, why not? Why not? And you just um, gave me a revelation to look at myself in a different different way. And I'm hoping men out there are listening to this are thinking, wow, do I? 
you know, do can do I do I flaunt the fruit of the spirit as much as I flaunt wearing the armor? <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be uh, risky here. Why not? Uh, I think that um, men, American men, and American Christian men are often sold a bill of goods when it comes to the definition of what it means to be a manly man. To be a manly man is not to be harsh, confrontational, um, rude, the sort of guy who who gets into a shoving match at the drop of the hat. Um, A man is not an individual who doesn't need anybody else because I'm so strong. No, to be a real man, we need to be somebody who has the heart and the mind of Christ. And that is a gentle spirit. And it is a kind heart. And there's nothing there's nothing unmanly about that. You know, and, and Derek, you can, I would love to get your take on this because people say, well, Joe, and especially anybody who knows me personally, Joe, you're being too hard on yourself when you're telling Derek that. I think there's a difference between being nice and being kind and being gentle. It's not synonymous. They're not the same thing. Am I wrong on that, Derek? No, you're not wrong because... Nice is often uh, almost manipulative. It's kind of bromide. It's what what will just smooth things over. Kindness is is love. Kindness. You, you read First Corinthians thirteen. I I was at a wedding this past week, and they read First Corinthians thirteen. Yeah, you know, and it begins. Love is patient. Love is kind. Those are the first two things. Yeah, it didn't say and, nice, did it? <laughs> no, it did not. It did not. And um, I think my wife is a great example of this. She is one of the kindest people I know, but she does not hold back. <laughs> wow. I tell you, you know, that distinction, you know, it just jumped in my spirit. I never thought about it. I'm thinking, oh, people say, no, Joe, you're a nice guy. Yeah, but am I really kind? Am I really patient? And I would have to say, if looking at myself, I don't think I exhibit that in, in abundance. I may have my moments every now and then, but to walk in the, the, the walk in that on a consistent basis, that will be the desires of my heart. And I know that's what God desires for us. Like you said, to have the mind of Christ. That's right, Joe. You said that you were a business person. You've been an entrepreneur. You've, you've got experience. In well, I think it would help us if we felt, think about patience is an investment. It's an investment in relationship. And and that might help guys get a, a better grasp on it and not think that they are just pushing things aside. Denial, patience is not denial. Patience is not being unwilling to make hard decisions. Patience is an investment in the relationship and it will pay off dividends. Man, I th- that's awesome. That's awesome, Derek. I love that because it does give you a paradigm shift to look at it from a standpoint that now even it, it shouldn't be so hard. If you're making an investment, that means you expect a return eventually from it. I, I love that. That's a great way of um, of couching that for us. Now, you said in your article that um, we don't need a timetable. What, what we need is hope. And you said oh, patience yeah. provides a place where hope can take root. And I'm going to repeat that again because I love it. I love this. You said that patience provides a place where hope can take root. Could you elaborate and explain what you meant by that when you said that? Well, I remember when I wrote that. It was one of those moments when you're writing the article and you say, well, I need to write this article. And I wrote that sentence and I and I hit save quickly <laughs> because, <laughs> because I'm like, that. that's... That's good. Yes, that's Not good. Not meaning I'm good, but right. meaning the idea yes. is good. Yes. Um, I think this speaks to the fact that patience is also about trust, and it's about trust in God. I don't think I don't think it's possible for us as Christian men to talk about parenting and to talk about being patient without talking about our relationship with God and the trust we have in God. When we're impatient, we're telling God we don't trust God. And, and so patience is not just an investment in the relationship with our child or with our spouse. It's also an investment in, in our relationship with God. It's saying, God, I trust that you're faithful. And, and I trust that not that you'll work things out for me, but you will work things out with me. And it gives us space. Imagine the oh, just uh, I know this has never happened, Joe, but imagine <laughs> that you and your wife get into a spat. No, yeah, okay? we never we never do that. <laughs> or, or, your te- or your teenage child. How old is your teenager? He, she's 14. Faith is 14. Oh, easy. Just easy peasy, right? Right. <laughs> so, so imagine imagine just hypothetically that anger comes to the surface. 
So if you step back and talk to God and ask God about the relationship and ask God to infiltrate you and your response, that is giving time and space for hope to take root. Because our hope, as this hymn writer said, is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. That's where our hope is built. Derek, I, I tell you, um, you're planting some great seeds, at least in my heart. And I know in the hearts of the men out there who are listening, because I don't, you know, I can't think of too many men I know who who cannot benefit from exercising more patience. And I, I probably can count on one hand how many men I've met in my lifetime who I look at their patience with people and I'm in awe of them. And I look at my spirit and usually and what I'm noticing now as I'm talking to you about this, Derek, is that they typically are older men who've made a lot of mistakes early on and they've learned later on. And and they and they tend to be very they're they're more mature in their faith. Because very rarely do I see a person who's just come to to Christ who exhibits this. And it doesn't mean that they're not capable, but I guess time kind of, you know, talking about um that it does we don't need a timetable when it comes to patience because God is developing something in us. He's growing something in us and patience has to be grown. Now, you mentioned Derek in the article that there were five ways to have more patience with our children. Could you quickly cover those for us and we'll dig a little bit deeper and get you to unpack some of them, but just cover those five things quickly for us what they are. Okay, yeah, and uh, this is one of those classic your lists. Uh, let's think of five things. There are probably a hundred. Yeah, there's probably more. <laughs> yeah, there's probably good, hundreds. <laughs> good place to start. Uh, the first one was don't ask for patience. Practice patience. Uh, I, I think that quite often as Christians, we like to sit back and say, well, the Holy Spirit is going to come down and is going to fix this. Well, I, I think in the meantime, what we need to do is to be intentional and disciplined and to practice that which we know we need. And that, that's a hard thing. I said earlier when we were talking that, um, that my dog was my, uh, my personal trainer uh, because, because I knew that I needed the help to get out and walk and get out and burn some calories and, 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 and reduce the cholesterol and, and all that stuff. Well, in some sense, our children are our personal trainers when it comes to patience. God has given us this opportunity to practice it. And it's like anything. If you do it, you learn more about it. Uh, the second one is think of patience as an intervention. It, it's a tool that we can apply to a situation. And, and once we understand the benefits, um, then we're more likely um, to repeat the, the use. You know, we don't magically find patience by just tripping over it. We have to pick it up and use it. So when you're thinking, you know, my child needs a consequence here. Uh, my child needs an intervention. Uh, I worked in, in behavioral psychology for quite a while. And the definition of a punishment, this is important, the definition of, of a punishment is not something that hurts. It's something that reduces the likelihood of the event occurring again. And so your anger, uh, your spanking, your slapping, whatever it is that you do when you lose control, your impatience, do not reduce the likelihood of the initiating event repeating. That patience, think of that as another intervention that you can use. Try it out, and, and I think you'll be surprised. Um, jump in if you want, but if not, the third one. No, keep going, because we'll, we'll go back and touch on some of these things you're saying. Okay. I'm taking a lot of notes, but go ahead. Go to number three. Alrighty. I love people who take notes when I'm talking. That's just, that's outstanding. <laughs> okay. The third one, keep expectations age appropriate and reasonable. Oh, this is so important. You, know, you don't yell at a one-year-old for messing their pants. You don't. However, my granddaughter is now four. Now, they don't yell at her, but they certainly... Um, work a little harder on avoiding that sort of accident. It's age appropriate now. She needs to be 100% trained. Um, I am you know, older than you are, Joe. <laughs> and as you said, we learn things over time. And I think that my spiritual sensitivity 
uh, it's pretty good because the other stuff's breaking down by now. You know, the physical stuff, that's, that's breaking down. And so the spiritual sensitivity is something I, I need and something I'm using more the older I get. And, and so there are things that are age appropriate. So don't lose patience over the things which not, are not appropriate. Um, the fourth one, invest more in the relationship than the result. We as men tend to be results oriented, not process oriented. We like to see where it all ends up, but we don't like what it takes to get there. A relationship um, is something which is a process. And if we invest in the process, we'll end up where we need to be eventually. Um, we can be overbearingly results oriented as dads. Uh, you know, just fix this. Just make sure it doesn't happen again. Well, well, hold it. You just skipped steps one through 15. <laughs> yeah. 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 And number five, uh, this is just a series of R words. I love R words. Restate, rethink, reevaluate, relax, and regroup. Rather than bear down, just restate our expectations and rethink our timetable, reevaluate our approach. Relax in the space your decision for patients grants and then regroup uh, actively working the problem rather than reacting to our frustration we are very react reactive yes. as yes. men yes it's and, and Derek and I'm glad you you went over those five and you touched on each one because we're going to go and explore some a little bit deeper but I'm going to go ahead and review them for the guys because I'm taking a lot of notes and, and I typically take notes when I'm talking to our guests because Typically, something jumps out at me and I want to go a little bit deeper into something. And I tell you, I've never had to write notes so fast as you're talking, <laughs> not because you talk fast, because what you're saying is resonating in my spirit so much. And I wish, you know, I, I just wish now the show could even be even longer because you brought up so many different things. But let me go ahead and review quickly for, for the men out there who are listening. You said, one, don't ask for patience. Practice it. Um, two, think of patience as an intervention. And I'm going to touch on, I'm going to go back to some of these that you mentioned. Three, you said keep expectations age appropriate and reasonable. Four, invest more in the relationship than the result. I'm going to liberate that one. Uh -huh. <laughs> and five, restate, rethink, reevaluate, relax, and regroup. Now, I'm going to just, let's start with um, the first one you talk about. Don't ask for patience, just practice it. And you described it as patience as being a choice. Why do you think so many of us as men struggle with choosing patience? We know it's the right choice. We know it's the fruit of the spirit. Why do we struggle so much choosing it? Our, our friends who are interested in brain science and, and biology would say it's our reptilian brain. In other words, that we are hardwired hard as men um, for action rather than contemplation. And, and so we just we're just bulls in a china shop. I won't say that that is our natural response, but it is. And I think uh, one of your speakers talked about this recently, your default response. Oh, it was you. Yeah, it was, it was me. That's right. It was you. Yeah. Good <laughs> yeah. job. Good job, Joe. So it's, yeah, it's a default response. Yeah. And, and yeah. so what we need to do is reset the default. When Jesus came, and oh, here's something that will blow your mind, okay, if you're not ready for it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. I like to lead with this and then let guys wonder what I'm talking about. Okay. I don't believe that Jesus came back from the dead. Okay. The key word there is back. Because when Lazarus was raised, he came back from the dead to his old life. Okay. He got what he had before and later he died again. Now, Jesus was resurrected forward into a new kind of life. Uh, Paul says we are a new, new, creation, new creation in Christ. Yeah, yeah. And this is, this is what we get. And, and so we don't have to be the old man or the old woman anymore. We are brand new, but we've got to go in there and tinker with the settings like you suggested. Yeah, and, if, and I'm glad you brought that up because if the listeners out there, if they didn't listen to Real Men Check In, that it blew me away when we got that out of one of our men's discipleship groups about how we have default values that's been preset pretty much. No different than our computers and that we need to do a reset. God wants us to do a reset because we are new creature, creatures in Christ. But the thing is, it takes a lot more effort because you have to die to your old way. 
to be that new man. And God wants us to depend on him to do it. So I'm glad that you you referenced that. And if they haven't, go back and check that out. I forgot what we named the real men check in, but they'll easily find it about. Um, I say it's better to um, better to reset than to regret. Yes, yeah, like <laughs> so, nine, nine minutes. That's all. It yeah, is. that's all it is. Nine minutes. Get so in there. Go back yeah. and listen to that. And so I, and I'm glad how you described it, because I've never heard that before, Derek, how you said that. Um that we are hardwired for action, not contemplation. I never thought about that before, but you're absolutely right. And I guess that's why we always kick ourselves like, I can't believe I did that. Because you didn't think when you did it. You just reacted. <laughs> well, no, and that's that, we'll get back to that when we talk about age-appropriate expectations. Yes, so, most definitely, most yeah. definitely. Now, let's go back to the about patience being an intervention. I thought that was interesting. Um, and you Because you said patience is a tool. Give us an example of what that looks like in a real life situation. Can you can you give us an example? I'll give an extreme example um, that isn't isn't to do with my own children because I, I try try not to throw them under the bus <laughs> too much. <laughs> too much. <laughs> okay, when I was a um, uh, a school teacher working with severely emotionally disturbed and emotionally compromised children, um, uh, here's an example of, of a child who. Um, needed some help, needed to be separated from the group, and spat in my face, okay? Just, yeah, that's, that's not very nice, <laughs> okay? And, and I once witnessed a teacher turn around and spit right back in the face. You can't do that. You can't do that. And so what you have to do is you have to say, I have this tool, which is called patience, and I will use it in this situation. Because that is where hope can take root and grow. You give yourself the space. See, see, God, God is willing to work with us. God will not magically change things, but God will give us all the support we need. I think one of the things that bothers me so much about some of this prosperity theology is this idea that God's going to just make our lives easy. That is a heresy all the way through. God doesn't make our lives easy. He makes our lives wonderful. And usually following Jesus makes things actually more difficult. <laughs> and, and, and then we have to ask for patience and a whole lot more because we are called to be the presence of Christ in this world. You, you asked why, and you used it, it's a very extreme example, but think about how much you had to be dependent on God in choosing that response. Because I got to believe what's going on inside of us when we're in a situation like that, you know, thank God I, I never had that happen when I was when I was teaching. But you're pretty much crying out even on the inside. God, help me before I strangle this child or help me before I spit back in this child's face. And you are in total dependence and said, not my will, <laughs> but your will. God, I cannot do this right now. So I must totally be, be dependent on you. And I know, sure, there's men out there listening, thinking, man, that could have never been me. But the thing is, you know, Jesus had to do it. And he and how did Jesus do it? Jesus, because Jesus was fully man. He had to depend on God totally to respond that way to um, his, his persecutors, the people who victimized him and spit in his face. You know, well, you, wow. you go to that chapter in John's gospel where Jesus is being interrogated and, and Jesus comes up with um, a, a smart answer and a God walks up and slaps Jesus in the face because as men, what do we do when the situation is too much for us? We react often with violence or often with anger and Jesus was too much for that man in that situation and, and he just reacted. Well, that's us without Jesus. Right, right. You know, that that might and actually that might be a actually spiritually healthy way for us to view um, outbursts of anger. And when we do as if, wow, that's opposite of what God desires from us, that I must not be walking in Christ if that's my reaction, you know. But at the same time, yeah, let's not beat ourselves up too much, but let's always be intentional about moving forward. Uh, there's no such thing as the good old days, especially if you look honestly at your own life. God always wants us to move forward from where we are. I'm part of a denomination, the Presbyterian Church, which talks about being a Reformation church. Well, the Reformation, which, by the way, is 500 years ago now, because it was 1517 when Martin Luther you know, nailed those things to the door. Reformation was not over by 1520. 
we are continually reforming, and God is continually doing new work in us. Right, right, right. Well, well said, well said, Derek. Now, I think most of us understand having patience with small children, like you said in um, the the third tip that you gave us about keep expectations age appropriate and reasonable. We understand with toddlers that you know when it comes to potty training or learning how to walk. But give us an example of age appropriate expectations when it comes to teenagers and even young adults. Well, here's the thing about teenagers, and especially teenage boys. If if your teenage boy, maybe he's 15, he does something, and you say, son, why did you do that? And he says, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. he's not lying. <laughs> he doesn't know. Um, our, our, we've, r- brain research now tells us that the brain continues to develop, thank God, all the way through 27, 28, 29 years old. That's what the research says. So teenagers are still, they're not only learning, but they are physically continuing to change. And it's not that we have to excuse inappropriate behavior, but we need to understand who they are and then respond to them uh, appropriately. It's, it's like we need to be part of the team that is helping them move forward from this, not knocking them down for being who they who they are. Now, Derek, you know, I love how you're couching this and saying that, you know, it is a choice. We have to be intentional. We have to practice. Um, But I'm trying to speak to that man who just is totally frustrated. Joe, what do you do when to alleviate your frustration when your teenage children seem to go in the opposite direction, even our adult children go in the opposite direction of everything that we've taught them. I know I don't suppose to um, lash out in anger. I know I don't suppose to have, you know, fits of rage. I know I must be patient, but how do I alleviate the frustration of it when I see my children going in a direction that I know is going to lead to bad consequences? Well, one thing we have to do is to understand that we are teachers and we are, and the way that children learn more than anything else is by observing. Um, I know parents, and you know parents because you've had a background in education, who say, well, I'm not going to teach my child. I'm going to leave that up to the school or I'm going to leave it up to the church. Well, you have actually made a decision not to teach your child, but you are teaching your child something when you, whether you like it or not. The question is not, if I'm teaching, it's what I am teaching. And so the, the most powerful tool that we have to help our children make better decisions is to make better decisions ourselves, to be role models and to be people who they say, wow, you know, I want to be like dad or I want to be like mom. Uh, and, and again, we think that if we're not doing something harsh and we're not doing something um, corrective, that we are being permissive. And, and that is just not true. And so what we need to do is step back and allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. And then how about involving the child in selecting the appropriate consequence? Um, rather than saying, you know, okay, this is coming down sitting down with the child and saying, you know, this is a difficult situation. I think we all agree. In your mind, what are some of the options we have to help us move forward as a family? What I have found is that children are usually harder on themselves. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So you've seen this. Oh, yeah. I've seen it a lot. (laughs) My own children as well. (laughs) And if they're an adult child, Joe, if they're in the house and they have turned 18, you need to have a contract. You need to work a contract with your child, meaning that you are now a legal adult and we have certain expectations and you actually write them out. You work it out together and the child signs it. And um, again, I don't want to throw my children under the bus, but with uh, one of our children, this contract had to be enforced. They had to leave the house and they had spent a few weeks sleeping on couch surfing and even sleeping in their car and it was it almost makes me uh cry tear up thinking about how difficult that was you know and and you say that Derek and I'm glad you shared that with us because um it's it's tough medicine you know when you say a contract I say you know what the contract is rent 
<laughs> that is often part of it. Yeah, because you're going to have to pay to stay. <laughs> That's what you're going to do. And I mean, I even believe that if they decide to stay, that the rent should go up until you force them pretty much say, hey, we can do this all day. <laughs> I can use That's the extra right. income. But you're right, because we know we're doing more harm to them by not allowing them. To, to grow and to be independent because you're raising them to be independent. So, yeah. And, I, and the thing is, you know that you're doing the right thing when you have to um, allow them to live with the consequences of their choices. But it makes you cry when you do it. It does, because we love them so much, but we love them so much that we have to hold them accountable. You see, we're talking about accountability here. Patience doesn't doesn't push aside accountability. Patience provides the space in which the right kind of accountability and hope goes right in there with that. You know, and we have time probably for one more question before we get into the man up questions, um, because I can't wait to ask you the man up questions, Derek, because just your personality and um, just how transparent and that you are. I can't wait to hear how you respond to them. But I but you kind of led into the last question I want to ask, because we were asking about um how do you get alleviate that frustration when it comes to our adult children, or our teenage children? And I love what you said in number four. And I told you, I'm liberating that one. It said, invest more in the relationship than the results. What things can we do as fathers to accomplish that? Well, there's this, um, this myth about quality time. You know, I, it needs to be quality time. No, it needs to be time. If it's quality time, in addition to being time, that's good. But children need us. Boys need their dads. They need them there, even if it's something mundane or seemingly unimportant. Uh, and, and so I think the investment of time um, produces the result of the relationship. Uh, oh, a few few weeks ago, you had a, a conversation with a, a man called Eric. And, yeah, and, Eric and, Terry. Yeah, intimacy yeah. had to come before any physical relationship, okay? We're talking about inti- intimacy here with our children. We, we, we're talking about being vulnerable, um, allowing them to know who we are and investing not just our ideas, but our whole selves in a relationship with them, whether it's cooking together or just going to the mall and shopping together, just hanging out. I know your child thinks that you are boring and your child thinks that you are not cool, but they still want to be with you. There's an article I wrote for All Pro Dad that talks about what middle schoolers really want. Yeah, I saw well, that it, article. <laughs> it turns out, it turns out that they want you. They want they you want, exactly. They want you. Yeah. So that's that's huge. That's very important. You know, and when it comes down to it, that's basically what we're constantly being faced with as dads. We have to make the choice: do we want the results or do we want the relationship? So, well, Joe, I want both. However, sometimes we may not get both at the same time. So I always believe, like you said in what you wrote, I honor the relationship more than the results. Because no matter how much my children get on my nerves, and unlike you, I will throw them under the bus sometimes because <laughs> we have that kind of relationship. They know me, dad. You know. But my thing is that I always, my goal has always been, no matter what we go through, I still want them to believe I could talk to dad. You know, that that relationship. And I always I stress that with parents all the time. I say, whatever you do, maintain the line of open communication with your children. I don't care how much pain you have to endure, what you have to just bite your tongue on. Just make sure the lines of communication, they're always open because they will come back. They will come back if you kept the door open. (laughs) Absolutely. When our daughter, when our daughter ran away from home and she did it more than once. Every Sunday morning, she'd show up at church and she'd bring these characters with her, the ones that she'd run away with. And she'd sit, she'd sit there in the third pew with her arms crossed, glaring at us. <laughs> Yet, you know, she, she knew. She knew what we valued. She knew what, what we loved. Um, I, I, an illustration just jumped into my mind, but uh, maybe I'll, I'll make it real quick. Um, guys like sports illustrations, okay? So I, I like to play golf. And I like to hit the ball as hard as I can. I like it to go a long way. But when I rush things, when I'm impatient, the ball goes into the water about 15 yards to the left, or I miss the ball entirely. Um, But when I slow down and when I involve trust, tempo, timing, rhythm, in other words, I, I just kind of get into the swing naturally, it goes a mile and it goes right down the middle. 
And what we do when we're impatient is we interrupt all these things that God has taught us, tempo, rhythm, timing, and, and it, it just doesn't work. Wow, Derek, that is great. I, I love that analogy. That is good. I don't even play golf, but I watch it. And you're right. I, and that, the one reason I don't play golf, because I know I'll get easily frustrated. <laughs> but you know what? Because it requires patience. <laughs> so, but that, that is good. Now, it, now I knew I was going to get to all the questions, Derek, but I think you gave us more than enough to bless this audience today because you've blessed me already. And we haven't even gotten to the man up questions yet. But well, thanks. But it's, now it's time for the man up questions. And, and you know about them because you've been listening to this show is five quick questions starting with the letters m-a-n-u-p and all they require is brutal honesty on your part which you won't have a problem with the question is derek are you ready i am ready bring it on joe all right and we'll get right back to our guest derek mall and ask him the man of questions right after this short break how would you like to hang out with some of the men you've been listening to better yet what if i could bring them right to you With our Real Men Connect app, you can now have instant access to me and my brothers from another mother, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Now just think about it. What if you could gain access to more than 1,570 plus years of combined husband, father, spiritual leadership, and manhood experience when you need it the most? Well, now you can. Just go to the app store on your iPhone, Android, or mobile device and type in the word Real Men Connect and press download. That's it. It's that simple and it's free. You'll gain instant access to more than 100 interviews, man training videos, articles, daily motivational messages, access to resources just for men, and much, much more. So don't just sit there, download it. And if you really want to bless us, rate the app for us. But more importantly, share it with another brother. Now back to the podcast. Welcome back, Mighty Men of God, and we're with my guest, Derek Maul, who's the author. He's an author of several books, but also a regular columnist for several of news outlets that I'm sure that you've probably read before in your lifetime, whether it be Focus Magazine, USA Today, Christian Voice, All Pro Dad. He's been in those publications, and you've read about him. And he's talked to us about patience today. And he's been very patient as we've been approaching the man of <laughs> questions. I mean, he says he's ready for him, and I think Derek is. So, Derek, let's get started, man. And we're going to start with the M, and the M stands for mistake. What mistake did you learn the most from as a man when it comes to patience? Well, I am so glad that you have made that a singular question. And not, <laughs> because you could put an S on the end of that I think, and this is a classic man thing, my need to fix situations rather than understand them. Let me explain that to you. Let me help you understand that. That's probably been the root of of more problems in my marriage and with my children. Um, I want to fix. I want to skip the understanding. Yeah. Wow. Now, the A represents attitude. And you've worked with a lot of men and you love discipleship like I do. If you can change one attitude in men when it comes to patience, when it comes to being a husband or a father, what would it be when it comes to this particular topic? I think judgment. Uh, Guys love to judge. And uh, again, that skipping steps one through nine, going straight to 10. More and more, I'm learning that as men, we need to operate under the banner of grace, not judgment. All right. Now, the N stands for next. And obviously, you said we, we mentioned earlier in, in the introduction that you're coming out with a, a novel that's going to be released hopefully this summer. Um, you'll finish that. But other than the novel, what next big thing would you attempt to do for God if you couldn't fail in ministry? If I could not fail, um, I would infiltrate every household in America and reinstate family dinner time five <laughs> nights, five nights a week. It would last a full hour. It would be media free. It would include family devotions and it would teach children the fine art of conversation. And if they can handle mom and dad for that amount of time, then everybody has learned some patience. Wow. Could you imagine if that actually happened? If we were if we all committed ourselves to having um, being at the table again, like real families. And I didn't understand the importance of that until I met my spiritual father. Um, he has eight children. And, and at that time, at the time, it was like two or more adults and they were still having dinner at his at his house um, every night. I said, unbelievable. He's just a school teacher and his mom is a stay at home mom who raised the kids and homeschooled the children. 
But that family dynamic, I didn't realize how important that was until I was exposed to it. And now, you know, with our busy lives, it's, it's kind of difficult, but I make it um, an attention to at least have some face-to-face time with my family at the dinner table. And it's amazing the discussions that go on when you're there. It's really important. And and you said we have busy lives. It's difficult. Again, it's a decision. We've still got the same 24 hours in the day. I think this would help us bring the civil back into civilization. Amen. Which, boy, do we need as a nation. Yeah, most definitely. All right. Now, the U, Derek, stands for understand. When you were younger, what one thing didn't you, you didn't understand about being a man, but you understand better now? Uh, and the, the key word is better. I'm, it's still a process, Joe. I'm learning every day. It's fortunate we're all so young. We've got time to learn more. But I say that being a man is about servant leadership. It's about the opportunity to live my faith out loud. And it's about the imperative for me to be the presence of Christ in every situation. If I'd have known that 20, 30 years ago, you know, I don't know, unstoppable. And now here's the last question. And um, you're, you're obviously a man of wisdom, Derek. It's, it's obviously in our interview that God has really revealed a lot of you and given you a lot of revelation. Doesn't mean you've attained all of it <laughs> of it yet, but you've got a good grasp of it. And so that's the question I want to um, close out with, with this is the P, which is problem. What do you still struggle with as a man even today? Joe, I'm selfish. I want to succeed quotes around succeed according to the standards of, of this world, which is funny because in Colossians, Paul says, uh, why do you still act like you belong to the world? Well, I do. Uh, God wants me to be significant, not successful. Uh, I say that, I want to live that, but then I look at the royalty numbers, I look at the hits, I look at the likes, and I'm like, I want more. And I know God is, is saying, Derek, be patient. I'm going to use you. I am faithful. Trust me. I guess I don't trust enough. And wow. And, and thank you so much for um, being honest and transparent with us, because I know there's a lot of men out there, whether they're driving or cutting their lawn while they're listening to this saying, wow, that's exactly how I feel. And we may not battle with it every day, but those bouts come. And it's no different because you have to because you have to find like you have to fight yourself from going there. You know better, Derek, but you have to find yourself fighting that battle constantly of not getting into selfishness and being impatient when it comes to, quote, success. This is why our walk with Jesus is brand new every, every day. My, day. My wife yes. likes to say, ask me when I gave my life to Jesus. Seven o'clock this morning, <laughs> like my that. cup of coffee. Got to do it every day. <laughs> that is good. You know, I'm, I, I'm going to use that with somebody because you got to do it daily. And it goes back to what we were saying before about the default. You have to do a reset every day. Derek, it's been a pleasure, man, having you on the show today because we've reached the end of our podcast. And guys, you know that uh, we're going to be back again next week with a new guest and hopefully even have Derek back on again really soon because he's I believe that he's really blessed us today with a lot of great insight, especially when it comes to this topic of patience. So, Derek, thank you so much for joining us on the show today and for being so gracious with your time. Well, thank you, Joe. And, you know, I tell you, it's a pleasure to talk to somebody whose passion comes through. You really enjoy this stuff, and I can tell. And so thanks for letting me talk with you. Oh, yeah. Uh, my pleasure, man. I, I tell you, man, this is a blast for me. But Derek, if they wanted to get in contact with you, because your book is coming out this summer with your novel, first novel, but how could they reach out to you? Or if they wanted to um, get in contact with you, where could they find out more information about you? I'll make this as simple as possible. Uh, obviously, you can go to Amazon and find my books under Derek Mall. But the best thing is just go to DerekMall.com. That's D-E-R-E-K-M-A-U-L.com. You can link to my blog from there. You can find out more about minutia that nobody needs to know. <laughs> you can even send me an email through that website. So DerekMall.com. Keep it simple and keep it real. And Derek, I tell you, and thank you for sharing that. We'll make sure we put all that in the show notes, but I can tell you right now, I can't speak for everybody out there listening, but you have just won a fan in me. I'm going to be following you and reading more of your stuff because I've been impressed with what I've already read, but now having you on the air and getting to um, to see your heart and to, oh man, I'm just, I'm excited about the work that you're doing and I want to read um, as much of your material as I possibly can. So you've got at least one fan out there hey, listening. <laughs> I, I appreciate it and it's mutual and you know, God bless you and your family and this critically important work.
Well, thank you, Derek. And to all of you guys out there, please do us a favor. This is so important. Take about 30 seconds to go over to iTunes and rate the program for us. It's the best way to help us get this program in the hands, ears, and hearts of men just like you. And please don't keep us a secret. Share us with your friends. So until next time, I'm Joe Martin, your man builder with RealMenConnect.com, reminding you that we are males by birth, but we are men by choice. So each and every day, choose to be the man God called and created you to be. Because you know a male is a terrible thing to waste. So until next time, stay strong, stay blessed, and as always, stay in God's grip. Thank you for listening to the Real Men Connect podcast with Dr. Joe Martin. Real Men Connect isn't just a podcast. It's a mission, ministry, and movement to help good men become the great men God called and created us to be. And the best is yet to come. So if you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and leave us a review in iTunes. It really helps us to build the podcast and to reach, teach, and impact more men, all for the glory of God. And make sure you check out realmenconnect.com to get our free tools and resources to help you go from good man to great man God's way. Again, that's realmenconnect.com. Thank you for listening. We'll see you in the next episode.